Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 202 of How Do You Write? Thank you for all your sweet emails and comments lately. Yes, I have been having the best guests, haven't I? Becca Syme, Ed Giordano, and today we have Anjanette Delgado, who you are really going to enjoy listening to. She tells us a little bit about the magic of pre-production when it comes to writing novels. Also, she wanted to let me know that she forgot to say something, and she really wanted to point it out that she loves working in Granthika, which is the program that Vikram Chandra was talking about a few episodes back. So I wanted to make sure that we got in that plug for Vikram's program, Grant in case you haven't checked it out, there's a free version you can try. So um, you're going to love listening to Anjanette. She's one of those people that I ended up hanging up with, just hoping that we would go on being friends, which is um, really not a bad reason to do a podcast, I have to tell you. So a little bit of a catch up around here. Honestly, I don't have much writing catch up to catch you up on. I have been just kind of punching away at the memoir, trying to get it into some shape, um, struggling with this revision in a little bit more of a struggle than I expected, which is fine. I am up to the task, uh, but I have been really distracted. Hmm. There's not much going on. Only fall of democracy as we know it. Uh, Lala and I have been very preoccupied about, again, thinking about moving out of this country. There's always been the thing that has told us, don't go, you can't give up. People, I'm ready to give up. I really, I really am. Um, we're looking into New Zealand um, because we can go there since I have citizenship. However, we have a very expensive quarantine. Uh, it's two weeks and $3,000 each which is great. I mean, they're keeping COVID out of the nation. That's fantastic because they are clear of it. Um, but that's, that's a little costly plus, you know, importing dogs in. So we're looking at other places too. I don't know if you are feeling a little beaten up by news. If you are American, I feel you. And I also ache for you. So please know that, um, I am with you there. The, um, indictment of just the one officer in the killing of Breonna Taylor has me just beyond furious. And it's very difficult. It's difficult to wrestle with all of this and get our work done, our writing done, and get our jobs done if we have another job, and watch the kids if we have kids, and take care of parents if you're taking care of parents. This is heavy. This is a lot. If you are struggling to get your writing done, do remember that when I get my head in the game, which is generally just every morning for a couple of hours, or when I go to Rachel Says Write, which I'm going to this afternoon, um, thank goodness, uh, I escape. And it is such a good escape. It is so fun. So remember that you have that as one of your superpowers, the ability to escape into your work. Uh, what other escapes have I been having? Well, I binged the home edit. I might have mentioned that. And I have just been in really solid nesting mode. Um, my office, you will see over my shoulder. It looks, oh, there's a dog. Looks fabulous office is fantastic. I'm going to attack the kitchen next. The really nice thing is that there's no weird corners full of stuff. I tend to be a pack rat and my wife is a lot more of a pack rat than I am, I must say. And so we have stuff 
upon our stuff, under our stuff, over our stuff. I usually try to keep surfaces clear, but I, you know, you've seen over my shoulder. I don't usually manage that. So all of this nesting that I've been doing between books is going to make packing a lot easier if we go. So yeah, it's, um, that's exciting. So yeah, the kitchen is next. I've got all sorts of containers to put things in, even though Marie Kondo would be rolling over in her, uh, beautifully, 400 thread, 500 thread count sheets to know that I bought containers to organize things into, but I love a container. I love the container store. I really love Daiso, uh, which we have a couple of nearby. It's a Japanese store where you can buy basically the same things you can get at the container store, but they're all $1.50 or $2. Uh, it's like a really cool dollar store. If you're looking over my shoulder, the creak that you all just heard is my dog letting herself out. Our dog Clementine, that was dozy. Our dog Clementine's still sick, not feeling well, suffering pancreatitis and maybe some kind of infection. So we've been spending a lot of time and mental energy and a lot of money, but you know, that's what money is for on her. Uh, yeah, so that's what we're dealing with. And I will say that even though I'm ground down by the news, I am still hot and heavy in this romance with my work. Even though I'm complaining about the revision, I'm still getting there and I'm loving it when my head is in it. I am also allowing you to remember that it's hard. It's hard right now. So give yourself some grace. Don't beat yourself up. If you've been struggling to get to the page, just get to the page and do a little bit. You're the only one who can do this. Um, I was watching Austin Kleon on a, an older video, a couple year old video, and he reminds us to do the noun sorry, do the verb, not the noun. You want to do the verb, not the noun. You want to be a writer? That's great. You want to think about writing. You want to read books about writing? Awesome. But you got to do the verb in order to be a writer. You got to sit down and write, even though it is uncomfortable. And the only things that comes out of your finger fingers are things that you hate. That's fine. You will revise them later. And revision is difficult. I'm leading an amazing group through 90 days uh, 90 day revision right now. And every time I teach this class, I am reminded, oh my God, it is so hard to learn how to do this. Once you get the skills though, they're your skills forever. So that's great. I wanted to give a quick shout out to new patrons. Uh, thank you, Anne Marie. Thank you, John Rinflesh the ninth. You just edited your pledge up and now I am your mini coach. Same thing to Stephanie Bond. Stephanie Bond, you're amazing. Love you. You're the best. Uh, Katrina Dixon, thank you. And Sasha Black. Oh, thanks, Sasha. It's, it means a lot to have you. I love your show. Shows. So let's jump into the interview with Anjanette. She will pull us out of this state of existential despair, at least for a few moments. And then when you're done listening, maybe you can go find some respite in your own work. Okay. Tell me how you're doing. Find me anywhere online. I love to hear from you, and I wish you very happy writing, my friends. Hey, is resistance keeping you from writing? Are you looking for an actual writing community in which you can make goals and be held accountable for them? Join Rachel Says Write, a twice-weekly, two-hour writing session on Zoom. You can bop in and out of the writing room as your schedule needs, but for just $39 a month, you can write up to four hours a week with our wonderful little community, in which you'll actually get to know your writing peers. We write from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Tuesdays and 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Thursdays, and that's U.S. Pacific Standard Time. 
Go to rachelheron.com slash write to find out more. Okay, well, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show today Anjanette Delgado. Anjanette, I said it wrong. Anjanette, hello, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm so happy to have you here. Okay, let me give you a little introduction. Anjanette Delgado is a Puerto Rican writer and journalist. She is the author of The Heartbreak Pill from Simon & Schuster, the 2009 winner of the Latino International Book Award, and of The Clairvoyant of Calle Ocho from Kensington. Her work has appeared in numerous anthologies, as well as in the Kenyan Review, Pleiades, Vogue, The New York Times, Modern Love, might I add, NPR, HBO, among others. A Breadloaf Breadloaf Conference alumni, she won an Emmy Award for feature writing in 1994, served as a judge for the Flannery O'Connor Short Fiction Award in 2015, and was a Peter Taylor Fellow in Fiction in 2016. Her short story, Lucky, was nominated for a 2020 Pushcart Prize. Damn! She holds an MFA in creative writing from Florida International University and lives in Miami, Florida. That's a stellar bio there. Oh, thank you. That is so exciting and i was just as you were reading i was just noticing oh my gosh that's how you spell that that's how you pronounce pleiades (laughs) (laughs) i've never known how to pronounce it i think they nominated (laughs) yeah i think they nominated me for an award i should learn how to pronounce the name of the journal but the thing is though i always say that like readers when we don't know how to pronounce something it's because we read so much you know we've never heard it but it makes us smarter that's all may i steal that yes you should steal that Okay, so I just read your modern love piece. It's beautiful. And it gave me a good flavor for your writing. And I was looking at your books. Um, the Clairvoyant of Calle Ocho was, uh, I, I think on one of the pages I saw, it's described as a recovering clairvoyant. Is that right? Yeah, she's a really bad clairvoyant. She's, <laughs> just, you know, she's just really incompetent, partly because she has decided that, you know, this gift has to be perfect this talent of hers has to be perfect. And when it isn't perfect, she then sets it aside, doesn't practice, doesn't listen to it. And so of course it atrophies, right? Yeah. That's and um, so, yeah, she's, uh, she's, she's just now beginning to think that she may need to pick it up after all, pick it back up again because um, she needs, she needs this. That has and, just, um, yeah. That book has just flown to the top of my TBR pile. I <laughs> must read it. Um, let's talk a little bit about your process. This show is all about process. Sure. How do you get your writing done? Where do you get your writing done? I, I, if people are looking on the YouTube video, um, there's this beautiful desk behind you. Is that your workspace? It's an old table. Yes. I actually just bought it in a vintage. It's, it's um, gorgeous. And that's where I used to, to write. It's just like a, a little sofa that sort of serves like a, almost like a dining bench. For some reason, I do not like writing on proper desks. I don't, what do you think I don't know that's why. About? Yeah. I don't know what that's about. I, do, I just, um, it makes me feel stifled a little. It just mm. makes me feel like, okay. So for example, I like to write at the kitchen counter where I'm talking to you from right now. I love, when, you know, before pre-pandemic, I used to um, go to cafes yeah. Um, in another life, I was a journalist, so I would write in a newsroom, and you have a deadline, and it doesn't matter what's happening, you you will write. When you have a deadline that's that day, you will write. And so, and you learn to, to shut everything out, you know? That's my com- amazing. Yeah, my husband complains a lot because he says that sometimes I'll be reading, and he's, you know, he's been calling to me for, I don't know, 
how many minutes and I don't listen. And, and I just, I really don't, I just tune it out. Um, so that comes from that training. I don't like to be isolated yeah. when writing. So I'm, I'm isolated inside myself. I, I like to see people and, you know, just a lot of activity around me. And I think I get that from, you know, not being at a desk, but just sort of being like in the middle of the house, in the middle of wherever, whatever is happening. In terms of writer's strengths, I think that has to be such a gift. You know, it's kind of like those people who could just lie down and fall asleep when they close their yes, eyes. Me. Yes. You also? Oh, yes. my God. I wonder if there's some kind of connection to that. Uh, there you might just be. just turn off the world when you need to. There might be. But, you know, I think I know how I developed it. Like, partly, obviously, it was because of the job, you know, right? Being a journalist, yeah. working in a newsroom, that happens. But I also realized, thinking about it, that when I was a child, I would also just get inside the book. Mm. And once I was in the story, people would be calling me and I wouldn't hear a thing. And, you know, there could be a fire right next to me and I wouldn't even notice. And I think reading gives you the ability to focus. When people tell me I'm not able to read, yeah. I know that they haven't practiced reading enough to get to the point where your brain is making the pictures automatically and you're yeah. not noticing that you are reading, right? Yeah. And it really and is practice. Yeah. Right. And I think if somebody wants to be able to develop that ability to, you know, not to be distracted by every little noise around <laughs> Um, reading will do it. Yeah. Reading a lot, reading more than two hours. You know, when I have a student that has an issue getting into a story, I said, okay, set a clock and don't stop. You'll notice that as you get closer to that two hours, you forget you're reading. You're super deep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the best, best feeling. So right now during pandemic, you are working from home. How is that shift been? I'm also a cafe writer. I hate writing at home. Yeah. I can do everything else at home, but not writing. Well, I'll tell you, I feel incredibly lucky and blessed that I don't, you know, nobody I know or love yeah. directly, you know, has, has, has been sick so far. I do live in Miami. Hot spot. So, you know, what we make, uh, what we have in sun, we make up for in um, stupidity sometimes. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to stay home and be safe rather than be out there with people not following basic yeah. rules. Um, and also, I don't know that you'll find a writer that will tell you that they didn't find the silver lining in this whole thing. I know. I, mean, I, I just feel like we needed to slow down a little bit and maybe, you know, I wouldn't have wanted it to happen this way, but I, but I do think there's that silver lining to it, if you will. That slowing down has been so gorgeous in so many ways. I'm just like you, I would never have wanted this to happen, but to be forced to slow down is pretty, pretty wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I have to learn how to do it to myself, right? How to yeah. force myself. And how we keep this. If we ever get back, if we ever get back to something exactly. approaching normal, how to keep this feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think, I, did I answer your question? I'm sorry. I, I started chatting with you. And, so, yeah. Oh, no, no. Yeah. I'm just, yeah um, like, so, so, yeah. so now Anywhere. do you write at your counter is where you're mostly at? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, right now it's my counter. It may be my, my table tomorrow, just wherever I feel in the middle of and not some place that. where it's, I plan to write here and yeah. where, you know, you look at the place and, oh dear, you know, the, the folders with the research are perfectly lined um, <laughs> with markers, color coded, of course. <laughs> and it's just saying you have, you know, when, when I look at that, it's like, you have to write. Whereas where I write, when I allow myself to write wherever, you know, I, you could write, it could be magical. You don't have to, nobody's forcing you, yeah. but you know, yeah, yeah. you could. 
Oh, I love that. I'm I'm a little jealous of that. I find I'm one of those isolated writers. I've got to like, if I'm not isolated, I have to put the the things in my ears and turn up the white noise so loud so everything is drowned out. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? My biggest challenge is my life, having it be too full, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and not being able sometimes to decide how full it can be at any given moment. So right now I'm editing an anthology and I'm happy. I'm, I'm you know, very excited about it. Um, I am teaching um, MFA students for the first time. I've always wanted to teach. And I've taught, but, you know, mostly lecturing or, right, you right. know, um, it's different. So are you all online now? My yeah. school will be online, mostly yeah. online, yeah. That's good, that's I mean, good. Yeah. Um, and so there's all these things happening, right? I just finished my third novel. And, Congratulations. Um, hopefully, thank you. Hopefully it'll go to my agent soon so he can tell me how to rewrite it. <laughs> Um, and, and so all of those competing things that I love to do, yeah, right. Saying no to this and that, that I also love and just kind of, you know, focusing, but I do write every day and I found that if I have a lot of projects, a lot of writing projects, um, that helps. The other thing that helps me a lot is to write when I'm not writing. So because I, I wrote my first novel when I was the mother of two teenagers, mm. I learned to get those moments. I never, I could never tell you, Rachel, I have to wait until I have a full afternoon because it right. takes me so long to get into the concentration of the page yeah. that once I get there, you know, I can't just stand up and have to go do something else. But I learned that if I did something called pre-production and that again comes from my TV days, Mm. And I teach a class called Finish Your Novel the TV Way, which is, which is um, basically using what I learned as a TV writer and That's working great. with TV writers. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you, when you are getting paid to write, you write. I don't know right. if you write well, right. but I know you write. <laughs> so my class isn't about writing better. I'm sure there's a lot of other people that can do better, you know, how to write better. I'm just, I just tell them what I use because I need to get paid and to get, you know, to get paid, you have to finish, right? It's not enough to start and it's not enough to spend X amount of hours. You have to have a plan for, for finishing something. A plan and a deadline that goes with it. Yeah. A plan and, a, and, a, and sometimes it's your own deadline, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so one of the things that TV writers do or have is that the world is built, mm. right? There's a head writer that has imagined or conceived mm -hmm. of this series. Let's, let's, com let's compare the series to a novel, right? So a novel, uh, a series has, let's say, 26 episodes. And a novel may have 20 to 26 chapters. When you think about in terms of arc, they're similar. But the TV writer starts with, okay, this is the world. This is the tone. These are the characters, more or less, you know, while we're casting start with an idea. So I started doing that for myself. For example, I would go online or on a magazine and I would kind of cast my characters. And Fabulous. it doesn't mean that you're going to describe the picture exactly. But it's just but something it, for your air, your head. Well, it forces you to think, why did you think this picture oh. went with that? Because then you say, well, yes, Mark Ruffalo looks just like Peter, but what is it about the essence of Mark? Well, you know, he looks boyish, but he looks earnest or... And that 
that forces you to think about your character in a deeper way. And maybe that's that genius. You, yeah, you throw away the picture, right? Of right. The celebrity it be, or whatever. It becomes your character after a while. Yeah. But you found what was it that called you to that image as opposed to having to draw paint from, you know, from scratch to begin yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. And kind of start from, like, you would start, you know, like people sometimes will base a character on a friend or a, or a family yeah. member. Yeah. It's the same. You're just doing it with a photo. Um, and kind of using that process to tell yourself what calls to you, what, what is in your head already. Um, the same I do, I do a map and I like to know where each place is, right? But all of that, what I call pre-production helps you because if one day I just have 10 minutes and I don't know where I am in a scene, I may use those 10 minutes to think about what a character may be cooking in a scene I know I have to write mm -hmm. later just gets that out of the way, you know, so that I use that time and I'm, and I keep myself in the world of my novel, if that makes hey, sense. I have done this show for four years now and I have never heard this. It is so helpful to oh. think of using these little bits of time to do little pieces of pre-production yeah. so that when you get there, you've already worked on some of this stuff. I, this is kind exactly. of blowing my mind. Right. Well, because when you're sitting, has, has it ever happened? Oh, good on Saturday. I have the whole afternoon to write. I'm so excited. You sit down with your tea, right? <laughs> your color-coded research, your whole thing. And you, and then you start the scene and you're like, and you, and you, cause and you're it's missing blank. information. Yeah. Yeah. You're missing information. So you go, so then you think, oh, I need to do more research. And then you go down the rabbit hole of more research for God knows when, but if you have specifics, so I'll do like a little homework list. Oh wait, I have to think about songs i need some songs oh my gosh for this scene. amazing and then yeah and i put it in the notes in my phone i mean nothing yeah. fancy and then when i'm at the doctors or wherever i am and i have 10 minutes 15 minutes to kill that i wasn't expecting i say oh you know i don't have a head sometimes to to write my my head is you know my head hurts yeah, yeah. or it's yeah. too much i can't i can't concentrate but i can concentrate on finding a few songs that I can always do. I can look up research for what a name of a character might mean. I could look at a map of the neighborhood where it takes place and do a Google satellite just to familiarize myself with what the streets might look like right now. Oh my God, Anjanette, this is right. Especially having the list to work from. Right, because you won't think oh. about it in 10 minutes, right? You won't think about what you may spend the 10 minutes thinking, what do I Just do trying to think of something, yeah. Yeah, no, but it's on the, just pick something from there that uh, that would adjust to the time you have. And then that also helps when you do have the four hours of luxuries, right. you know, because you have a lot of information that you're excited about. Oh my gosh, this is, this is, this it's is blowing my mind. In. It's so good. So, so let me ask yeah. you. In terms of your process, are you a plotter or a fly by the seat of your pantser? I do not like to be a pantser, but I do admit that sometimes the fancy strikes and I'll just, you know, start thinking that I am a pantser, but I'm not. I'm not. I like to, I like to plot loosely. Let's call it okay. that. Yeah, I'm yeah. a loose plotter. Yeah. Right? So I like to have, um, I like to understand the world. I don't need to know every detail about mm -hmm. the world that I'm going to be writing about, but I do need to know some, right? Some basic things. I like to know something about my character. Um, I don't think so much in terms of like what's in her closet and doing a whole biography. Yeah. Because if I start doing all of that, I'll get lost in all that, right? I'm the kind of 
of students. When I was a student, you know, I'm the person with all the markers and all the little tabbed, divided notebooks. And, you know, and I could get, I could get really lost in all that process. Yeah. yeah. Too much process. So I try to keep it practical to what I will use. Um, to know enough to start laying out something. And I'll kind of go back and forth, right? Maybe that I started by plotting a bit loosely and I started to write and I realized, wait a minute, something's missing. I need to go back to plotting a little more, mm. you know, and I go back and, and you go back and forth, right? Um, yeah. So now when do you make, when do you add to this list, this, uh, this pre-production list that you're going to look at later too? When I'm stuck. When you're stuck, when that's I'm, when you, when that's I'm when you start adding what, to it. Yeah. Because yeah. once I have, once I, when I have the list and I start getting all my info, I start getting excited. I can't wait to write that list and, and, you know, and explain how whatever she used burned the lips and how to describe, you know, how the lips yeah. or when, whatever. Um, but once I'm, you know, I get to a place where I don't know, I can't see it. I can't visualize anything. I know that I need to, you know, to answer those questions that I'm, whatever it is that I'm missing. Um, it also helps you when you're revising, you know, you could just at some point, instead of doing formal revising, you could just go through to find words that repeat themselves too much. Mm -hmm. It's a job. It will do. It has to be lot. done. Right. It has to be done. And you don't have to think a lot. Adjective, 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 cross it off, cross it off, you know, or circle it so that yeah. you can decide out of 36 adjectives at which 10, if that you'll keep right, right. how many justs so, you'll keep because right. i have so many justs on everything yeah like bite-sized tasks that will keep you working writing will save you time from feeling like a failure because you're not writing you are writing you're just not writing writing <laughs> you're not just, you're just not you know writing sentences but you're writing you are creating the world of your novel and what happens in it and you're, like you're just giving it texture You've just given me this huge piece of writing that I've never used, this big tool that I have never picked up yeah. before. Yeah. And I love it. And I, I know that listeners are going, oh my gosh, I have never thought about it that I way. I hope so. I hope so. No? Because, I mean, when you think about it, it, what it allows you to do is to use up, to be more productive, right? Yeah. yeah. You are able to use your uptime and your downtime, your focused time and your unfocused time. Yeah your interrupted time and your non-interrupted time and stay in it because what do you know of anything worse than having a lot of days pass without oh, yeah. getting back to it and then having to reread everything from scratch because you forgot so cold. you're not you're yeah. out of it mm -hmm. you have to get back into it right and it's okay yeah. when you have five pages but when you have a hundred you know it's it's time that you're wasting and it's not going to make your book any better so stay in, stay in your novel, stay in it, stay in it as much as you can. Even if it's just thinking of it as you're, as you're cooking, thinking, thinking what, about, thinking about the character, just thinking even. And what would I rather be doing? Like, you know, Googling something that's super interesting that I can use in the book or looking at Twitter for the 400th hour. That and I did, sometimes, right? right. And sometimes what you're looking for, and I mean, I'll confess to this, but dear God, um, you want something mindless to do. Exactly. That's you why we want, scroll Twitter. Right. That's why we look at Facebook. Yeah. Right. So you, you are there and you say, Oh my God, I'm so tired. I just had 10 calls, two Zooms and whatever. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to browse the sale. 
I'm going to browse Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look at houses that I will never buy. I'm, and you're doing something mindless. You could That's do something true. mindless that nevertheless could be useful later. I feel like you may have just changed my life, and that does yeah. not always new game. happen on this show. It's this is new, my like, new game. game. <laughs> and I am starting a book pretty soon, so this is like so incredibly exciting. Um, I think that must that must satisfy the craft tip question that I was going to ask you about, unless you have something else. Um, no, I mean it's it's basically when when I've taught it, I, I yeah. can't tell you. Students just look at me, you know, when I walk in with magazines and scissors, and when I would did the sort of okay. Um, there, there is another part of it, right? Obviously you're trying to build a, what happens next and why, right? right, right causal right. effect and, and all of those things. And so, yeah, there's, there's more to it. Um, but they are pretty, pretty, um, excited about being able to build the world before, you know, having to think of everything yeah, uh, yeah. as if it were magical. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be that difficult. Yeah. No. no. Let me ask you what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? Uh, well, it's not surprising to me. Um, I have grown daughters. Yeah. And when they are unhappy, I know they're unhappy. They broke up with the boyfriend or they fought with the husband or they're not getting along with their mom-in-law. Oh. <laughs> um, or, you know, or they lost a job or they lost a friend. Yeah. It just consumes me. Really? And I'm saying, and I'm pretty hands off. I mean, one of my daughters, my eldest daughter lives in New York. Mm-hmm. She just got married in, in, um, in November. I love yeah. my son-in-law. But things that affect her life affect me. She had an issue with a lawyer um, that, you know, basically was trying to cheat her like mm-hmm. a month ago. And I couldn't think about anything else. I was like, I'm going to write an email and you do this and you go that and call the bar and... <laughs> I get completely sucked into solving it now. Yeah. And I cannot, I cannot just, you know, until they told me that they solved it on their own or, you know, or they asked for help so I can do it for them. (laughs) How does that, how does that mama bear energy translate into your work? It's exhausting. I don't know that it does. I really (laughs) don't. Most of my, my, protagonist and I'm going into, you know, long form novel. Yeah. Um, they're childless. <laughs> All three of them are childless. God, that's hilarious. And I have no kids and I'm obsessed with the mother daughter connection. All of really? my books are about moms and daughters. So that is so Dear funny. Lord. Uh, I, you know, I think that's why they're all childless. I'm, I'm excited about that other. So simple. That other part that just, you know, it's, it's crazy, you know, yeah. that once somebody else is born, it's not up to you to be happy anymore. Yeah. They'll be able to determine whether you can be happy forever. I that, can, that's I terrifying. Tell from here that you are an amazing mother. Oh, thank you. you. Love I your try. girls so much. I try. I try. Uh, okay. I have amazing girls. They are amazing. Okay. So what is the best book you've read recently? Oh, okay. I, I love I love to talk about that. Okay, well, I'm, I'm still reading this one, but I'm enjoying it very much. So this is, um, I think it just came out yesterday, day before yesterday. Uh-huh. This is The Boy in the Field by Mar- Margot Livesey. It's a beautiful cover. Oh my goodness. All her covers are really good. Um, I've right. never met her, but I love her. Um, I tweet at her all the time. <laughs> 
she just her sentences are lyrical but mm. also they drive they mm. go places they That's don't the meander you know in the beauty of whatever yeah she can write a really poetic sentence that doesn't take you out of the story Ooh. And to, for me, that's high praise. Absolutely. You know, um, so she's really good. And she's a really good plotter, I find. Okay. I'm a really good plotter. So this out. one, for example, there's a mystery in it. And I am, I think I'm less than 50 pages from, from finishing. And I don't know the answer. <gasps> I don't know. I don't know what happened. Okay. Also very high praise. Also when a writer so, can't figure it out. That's amazing. Thank yeah. you. Right. Cause yeah. it's not a one dimensional plot right. where I can see it coming, right. you know? Um, and also she's not like rattling off suspects. I, I, I had to read up and after a while I said, wait a minute, this could be a suspect. That could be a suspect. <gasps> no, I'm just like, anyway. Um, then, uh, this, I, I, I actually, um, reviewed them. I don't know either the writer or the translator. So, um, Nona Fernandez is a Chilean writer. Uh -huh. Look at the thinness of this novel. I think yeah. it's something very short pages, 70 is, something. And this is a right? novel? It's not poetry? This is a novel. Wow. Well, this is a novel about the Chilean dictatorship. Ooh. Look, look. And when I finished, I was complete. I said, holy cow, I get it. I get and it. And what's it called again? called Space Invaders, both in English and in Spanish. Okay. Now, the first time I read it, I read it in English. Mm -hmm. is, um, it was translated by Natasha Wimmer, who, who has translated many. She was uh, um, Bolaños's translator. Oh, wow. Okay. So she knows something about translating dense things and making them, you know. Yeah, it's an art. Um, accessible. But, oh, my goodness. I mean, I read this first and I said, nah, she must have rewritten it because there's no way she captured all that lyricism translating from Spanish to English, you know, with the Germanic roots and all of that. Yes. So I have to buy the Spanish. She did. She did capture it. She oh, did capture it. There was not... thinking about it. And I'm one of those people who, like, will, you know, will be watching something on Netflix and going... <laughs> the translation, it just, it just bothers me so much. Right. When something is translated to English and that's not what they meant at all. Or the other way around, English to Spanish, you know, um, like a formal, I once saw un abogado formal, which would really be a formal lawyer. And what they had meant to say was a former lawyer, <laughs> not formal, but and Very I just, formal. <laughs> I, ha I have issues. Um, and this one, this is a perfect translation. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Um, it's about, it's a story of a bunch of kids who were children in the same classroom mm -hmm. when the dictatorship took hold and one of their um, classmates is the daughter of a military guy and she disappears one day and so they're piecing together what they know oh don't tell me too much more because I, I have to read it you won't know but um but it's just it's so beautiful it's so beautiful i actually wish i had marked like a paragraph to read you so yeah. you could hear the music of the of the of it and then lastly and this one i'm just um i'm just discovering this is Raquel Salas Rivera. While they sleep under the bed is another country. She's Puerto Rican like me. And she's, you know, she's writing about colonization and she's writing about lack of identity and she's writing about um, Puerto Rico. Um, look at these pages. She's just um, kind of going at overheard pieces from people Ooh. after Maria and just kind of tracing. So there's a lot of conversation of overheard 
prayers and then it also comes together in you know in a in a longer prose poem or lyric essay but by the time you get to that to that Gorgeous. lyric essay all those little layers have just gotten inside you and so it's just so much more powerful I'm going to put all of these in the show notes. This is everyone. an amazing, amazing book. I haven't told her. I, I don't know her personally, but I know her on Twitter. And you know, I, you know I'm loving the book before she does. So. <laughs> That's so exciting. Anyway, I'm a big reader. I read almost 100 books a year. Mm. Um, I, 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 um, I am a big reader. reader for, I think I only do like 60 or so. I read, I read every two, three days I'm on the next book. I just I read a lot to fall asleep. And I yeah. read a lot because it just keeps me so, so there. It keeps us in the learning. Work. Yeah. Yeah. And then what I did to sort of keep myself at that pace, I, I review books for the New York Journal of Books. Oh, so perfect. Up, last year, I reviewed 50 books. Holy cow, um, Anjanette. That I know. I know. Fancy, too. Um, but it's so great because you have a deadline and, you you know, you, you get into the books and you read deeply, more yeah. deep, deeper yeah. than, I, than sometimes we do when we can just put it off, you know? Right, 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 right. And you get boxes of free books all the time. There you go. Win-win. <laughs> tell, tell the listeners where we can find you. And, oh, um, tell them about your most recent book. Um, well, my most recent book, I'm hoping it will sell. Um, so I've written three novels, two of which you mentioned, yes. and the third, which my, my agent is selling. Part of what it has, and, and that's interesting, I'll just mention it very quickly, but it's, such a, it's become such a big thing. My first book was, quite frankly, uh, what they call chiclet. It was a woman's mm -hmm. story. It was a little lighter mm -hmm. in the sense that it didn't deal with you know, big things. It dealt yeah. with love battles. It wasn't exactly a romance. I remember that the, the blurbs read, Smart chiclet. As Love if, it. As if books for women were dumb. I know. But this one yeah. happened. This one happened to be smart. Uh, we need to uh, point that out. Smart chiclet, not ouch. dumb chiclet. Smart chiclet. Yeah. Um, and the second one was I was compared to Charlene Harris, and at the time I hadn't read Publishers Weekly compared Clairvoyant to Charlene Harris, which I hadn't I hadn't read. And I, I and, you know when I looked I said Y A and I said what are they What does that mean? They're comparing me to white, you know, to a white book. Right. Um, later, I was very, very honored and flattered when yeah, I read those are great that. books. Oh yeah. my god, I They're read so all fun. of them. Um, but then I decided, as I changed, as I went on conferences, and as, as I started, you know, leaving behind my my life as a journalist mm -hmm. and becoming more of a of a full time writer, if you will, I realized that I had changed. That where I sold my books um, may not be the best places going forward. Mm. Because I am not necessarily just a commercial writer anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and so that necessitated a lot of time and transitioning. And even now, I think that, you know, a lot of, it's, it's a lot of learning yeah. to sell a literary novel that's nevertheless um, has cannibals and it's about hunger and death and there's a mystery and all of that, but it's the language and the tone is different. Yeah, of course. Um, so people can find me um, anywhere that books are sold, obviously. My website, which is just my name, very easy. Um, I'm all over social media. I regularly write columns and op-eds um, on social justice. Mm. Um, yeah, once in a while I get so upset. It needs, that, that needs to, you know, leave the body. <laughs> I think that's one of our jobs as writers is to work yes. for social justice. And we have this particular tool yes. that not a lot of people have. 
I've been no. surprised. I've been surprised at how much it has helped all my other writing yeah. to pen an op-ed. And, you know, people think an op-ed is just writing what you think, but it's really testing yourself, testing yes. what, you, what you think, finding the arguments, finding the factual arguments to support your thesis, right, your mm-hmm. feeling. Um, and that brings about a process of, of thought, of, of claiming your own feelings and, and telling yourself whether they're, you know, they pass muster or not that I find enlightening and, you know, just, um, just a great release. Um, so I, I'm doing that. So they'll find if they, if they, they'll find me talking about Latino issues, um, racial issues, feminist issues. I'm going to follow um, you immediately on Twitter. Cause I'm, thank a, I'm you. a Twitter yes. head. Yes, please. Um, and soon in other places where, you know, there's a new anthology coming out that I'm so excited about for what is the anthology based around? It's, uh, it's for University of Florida Press, mm-hmm. and the working title right now is Latinx Writers on the Politics of Belonging. Oh, So I've, I've tried to create a whole um, selection on the, on the literature of rootedness, right, yeah. what, what that means. Yeah. So Richard Blanco is in it, um, Janine Capocruzet, who you may know, mm-hmm. um, I've heard the Patricia Engel, um, there's just Reynaldo Arenas that I was able to get. Um, select a story for this and I'm really excited about that you're doing um, a little bit of everything and you that's really are. remember how you asked yeah. me at the beginning yeah. what was the big thing having all these things that are also yeah. important to me yeah trying to you know take away eat away at the purely writing time yeah 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 but you're getting it all done and you are Fingers incredibly crossed. inspiring I have enjoyed this interview so deeply and I love the energy that you bring Thank to this. You. And I'm trying to stay very still because I'm having a microphone thing where it makes a lot of noise, but usually I would just be like doing this all over the screen because I'm so excited to talk to you and meet you. And thank you for doing this show. And I anytime. Wish, oh my anytime, gosh. Anytime at all. We're, I'm going to claim you as a friend now. So you can't get rid of me. Of course. <laughs> thank you, Anjanette. Happy writing. Thank you. And thank you to your listeners. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>